This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Saturday the 13th of May 2023. Today we look back at the week that was. You're listening to Double Tap Express, your weekly roundup of what's happening on Double Tap this week. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Yes, we'll change of the weekend. <laughs> you even put it in the intro. Unbelievable. It had to happen. It had to happen. It is the signifier. It is the audio logo. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that, you know, oh. but for us. But ours is... Uh, ah, you weren't ready. You weren't ready. There it is. Hey. <laughs> you will be train. doing it tomorrow. Yeah, this this train will be late on several occasions, <laughs> I promise you. This will not be the best service. Um, so how are you? How was your week? Uh, my week was fantastic. Lots of great content oh, uh, on our shows Nicely, nicely done. Week. That was Thank good. You. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. I've done notes and everything. I don't know what's going on. It feels weird. It feels like we're strangely prepared. And, and actually, mm. the more prepared I am, the more yeah. nervous I get. Yes, there is a, a slight nervous energy to you today, Stephen <laughs> no, that's Scott. the coffee, I think. Mainly the coffee, to be yeah. perfectly honest. And uh, plus you ringing me like insane times of the morning. <laughs> Six o'clock this morning. Let's record a show. <sighs> I'm ready. Let's yeah. do it. Are you ready? Are yes. you ready? Okay. All aboard. Oh, sorry. Hang on. It's in, the right, it's in a different bit. I've got to go to a thing, you see. <laughs> oh, dear. God bless you. Mr. F. God bless you, Mr. F. Happy holidays. Yeah. (laughs) Well, hopefully he's away and he doesn't hear this. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, But look, I want to kick off with one of the big stories of the week, of course, Google and the I.O. event, a huge event and a great opportunity for us to hear all about the latest announcements from the company. Perhaps not the most exciting of events in some ways, but in other ways, kind of interesting. Because if I'm honest, if they had just done it the other way around, if they'd put the hardware yes. first, I think that <laughs> might have made it even more interesting. Because then we might have kind of settled in with the AI chat, but it just got really boring the very quickly. The presentation wasn't great, but the yeah. actual things they announced was actually quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally, you know, it's going way beyond. But, you know, come on, guys, you know. Come on. Just watch an game. Apple event, right? And just copy that. Because honestly, that's the only way to do it. Uh, but listen, we had Marco <laughs> Falalalo on with us. And uh, he is here now uh, with us again. We're going to give you a chance to hear our conversation with Mark as we talked about uh, Google I.O. just after it happened. How did you feel? What are your initial responses and your gut feeling about Google I.O. 2023? I was the two E's, emotional and exhausted. Okay, emotional and exhausted. I felt a little bit, I don't think I'm using this word properly, lackluster? No, maybe not. Yeah, nothing um, else. No, that's Underwhelmed? Okay. Yep, yep, I get Underwhelmed. That. You know, this was um, a big year, a big year for AI. And while AI was the first thing they mentioned when they went on stage, and was a theme that definitely followed throughout all the announcements during the first part of the keynote, which is, I guess we call that the consumer keynote and they have a developer keynote afterwards. Um, I felt like there wasn't enough. And I felt like the announcements they made were all announced because they had to, and nothing is actually ready for anybody to play with. And they announced them hoping they're going to get some of these things to market. Yeah, everything's coming soon. It's coming later. It's coming fall, maybe this year. With one exception, the Pixel, the Pixel 7a, which I'm holding in my hands. You know, (laughs) I mean, I've had this everything else. I've had this phone for a week, but it's no different than, you know, it's got better software, hardware and all that fun stuff in it. But there's nothing really new about it Mm. in, in terms of it's just a new form factor, a new price point and a little bit of a different design process. But this Pixel Fold that was leaked a week before is not going to be available for another month. And it's going to be available for $1,700 US, so probably 2200 Canadian. Yeah, that's a lot um, of money. But, you know, the biggest thing that I felt was missing, and I hate to lead a conversation with this, but I feel like we have to, was the next generation of the Google Assistant or how AI was going to play a much larger role in the voice assistant world. 
I thought we were going to get that. And I thought we were going to get a glimpse of their next flagship device, the Pixel 8, neither of which we got. Yeah. Yeah. It's as if the Google Nest never existed. There was no mention of it. Nothing mentioned about voice assistants at all. You know, until you said that, I didn't even, that didn't even click in my mind because the absence of it just, I, I completely forgot it existed. Well, this is, this is out of Apple's playbook, right? This is out of the playbook where you basically, if you don't mention it, then it's not important and you don't have to talk about it. Now, yeah. they, they may as well, they may mention it and we're probably going to, we're going to hear a lot from Google I.O. over the coming weeks and months. It's just yeah, going to happen like, that way. This is like the WWDC thing with Apple, right? Isn't it? It's a week yeah. of events and lots of things are going to be happening. And yes, there'll be, there'll be a lot more discussion and a lot more detail will come out, especially around the areas of voice assistance, of accessibility, things we're not hearing about on the keynote stage. But, you know, the keynote does give you an indication of what's to come. And it's all about the conversational AI on desktop or on laptop or on... In writing, phone. in written in the written yes. word. It's not even a conversation. I thought we were there. I thought because Google has done such a good job in contextual search and and that was, I mean, if you think back, probably before COVID because we were two years without an I.O., um, I remember them going on stage, and this was the first time that we got um, like some of the features on the on the on the Andrew, on the Pixel phone, where um, if someone calls, they could you know see who it is and screen the call. and And I remember there was contextual search, right? You would so you'd ask it a question: How tall is uh, is Barack Obama? Great, and then you could say, um, you know, where was he born? And it would knows you're talking about Barack Obama. And that was the first yeah. time that we saw context in search, and we have yet to see that come out in any other device as well as they demonstrated it then. So wouldn't you think that search and voice search would get that contextual AI with everything else? Yeah, it feel, I mean, it does feel like from what we've seen from Microsoft in the past couple of months that they are way, way ahead of here. I mean, way ahead in terms of their development. But, you know, Microsoft aren't out to create the next Lady A, the Amazon Echo, the Google speaker, the Siri thing. None of that. that that's not they really don't have to happen. About. It's going to no. happen by itself. <laughs> well, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Let's. Uh, should we recap what was actually announced? Let's. Let's. Let me. Let me just go through it. Yeah. Please. Bullet, bullet point here. So, um, a lot of new enterprise AI tools. Uh, a new service called Duet AI, which is designed really for businesses and people who use the Google Cloud. This is like your Amazon Web Services and stuff like that. Putting a lot of generative AI power into collaboration tools for developers. Um, you know, Google Workspace features. This is something that people who use docs and pages and 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 presentations are going to see things to boost productivity. Very very similar to Microsoft's Copilot, mm. whereas in an email it'll help suggest contacts. It'll allow you to write email ideas, create presentations, and even full documents. The demonstration they had on stage was you know write a job description for uh, insert title here and generated a whole job description. So that's going to be really cool. Um, uh, the introduction of Palm to Palm is their, their whole programmable language model, which is going to power all of these things. So that's, that, that was announced as well. Uh, new members of the pixel family. So we saw the pixel tablet, which we, uh, did not see a price for, which comes with a really cool dock, a magnetics kind of speaker dock, which makes it look like just kind of the nest tablet. Um, the Pixel 7a, which we have in our hands, and and we're gonna you know tweet out links to uh, you know different hands-on reviews, and and we'll talk about it on the TV show, and of course on this show, and on the Pixel Fold hardware-wise. Then we saw um, Search Labs, which is a way for you to sign up and test out features. So it's kind of like OpenAI's you know ChatGPT, where you can sign up and and just test things, but they're keeping that Labs word on there until it's out of beta. Um, and that's immerse- not for the average consumer, is it? Um, I no, not yet, but I think it's the, it's the way that they can track what you're doing, um, and, and let you play with it mm. in terms of just search, kind of figure what you can do with it. I think it's their equivalent of Bard's kind of interface. Can I just um, Bard, clarify? of course, being their, their, their open, you know, their chat GPT. Yeah. You can also just clarify something that you mentioned the Pixel tablet price. It does have a price, $500. That's the Oh, okay. Price. Uh, oh, sorry, you, you're right, $499. And you get and it the, comes with the dock. The dock. You can buy the dock separate for $129, but I think if you buy it early, you get the dock for free. So that's kind of cool. Okay, and uh, immersive view for, for maps to help you visualize every segment of a journey. Mm. This is, you know, there's going to be no solution for accessibility on this one, I'll tell you that. But you, you basically need audio description and maps. But it basically gives you a bird's eye view of your of your trip. 
So you it combines street view with kind of 3D modeling and lets you see that kind of above the path view, which is interesting. And they had some cool generative stuff where if you want to see what the traffic or weather might be like in two hours from now, you could fast forward time and it'll actually show rain and traffic on the map, which is interesting. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Whatever, you know, um, but I think the exciting stuff that we're going to see come out of this is not going to be for another couple of days or weeks when people start playing with stuff or maybe have access to stuff. We didn't even see a new Android version name or number. Nope. That's right. Nothing yet. Or nothing a Pixel mentioned. 8 or like anything. So there's, you know, it's funny because leading into this, they talked about this being a new format. And um, a lot of people were saying it's going to be AI, AI, AI. And, and it was AI, 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 but not to the extent that I expected it. No, and I, I don't know if I'm happy about that. I, I'm sorry to go back to the, the tablet, but <laughs> this Pixel, I, I mentioned this yesterday. You know, I said to you, the Pixel tablet, or not even the Pixel tablet, but Android tablets generally, what's the point? And I kind of wonder with this one, what's the point? <laughs> um, is this just I, an i? Is this an iPad equivalent? Is that all this is? Is this just to beat them down when it comes to the iPad? I guess for the sake I mean, of it, or I, I just uh, don't uh, get the point. What's <laughs> you know what? Let's let's get creative about this. What is the point of an Android? <laughs> no, hang on. Who are you asking? Are you asking Microsoft's AI? or Are you asking Google's AI? I'm asking ChatGPT. I would be very interested to know the answer on Google's side. It's the best thing ever. What are you talking about? The point of an Android tablet is to provide users with a more portable and convenient way to access the internet, email, social media, entertainment, and other apps. So no, that's, I mean, that's that's what it's. <laughs> thanks, of course, that's, that's what great. it does. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, but what's the point of it? That's a different question. Um, yeah. The Fold yeah. is interesting, though. Let's talk a little bit about the Fold, because okay. this is the one that was already previewed, like you said, and, and we kind of knew it was coming. But, you know, again, it's an interesting form factor. I have to say, this one's a little bit more intriguing, because it is the two-in-one. Yeah, so when you open it up, it's a 7.1-inch diagonal screen. It's got a pretty hefty bezel on there, pretty thick bezel on there. I think that has to do with um, just, you know, the, the stuff that's behind it and everything that goes along with it. Um uh, you know, it's got a really big, like, five, it looks like a five and a half inch screen on the front. So a pretty usable smartphone when it's closed. They're saying it's the thinnest folding phone that exists, which is saying a lot because I've held the, the Microsoft Surface Duo and it is thin as heck, especially when it's open and when it's closed. It's almost it's a little bit thicker than a modern day iPhone, but it's definitely, definitely thin. So this one's going to be interesting. The other thing I noticed about the the fold is. They're being it's using that tablet kind of point of view. It's almost like we, we're making a folding device. We've got to optimize that Android for it. Let's just do a tablet at the same time or, mm. or just take the Nest tablet and just throw Android on it. <laughs> um, Eighteen hundred dollars U.S. Seventeen ninety nine U.S. That's going to be about 20 million Canadian. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. I well, like I like folding. I like folding devices where they're going. I have to say, I, though, not sold I, on it yet. I felt that the price kind of came out the blue just because they were talking about the 7A being $500. Then the Pixel tablet comes along at 500 and suddenly this Fold comes along and it's like 1800 It wouldn't have maybe felt so bad if they had the Pixel 8 in there to kind of bridge that gap. You know, it just felt like quite a jump suddenly to $1,800 for this, this Fold device. But you can kind of understand where they're coming from. This is a very... Big, big device. And I have to say, you know, when we, we've talked a lot about the Samsung Folds and with the flips and all the rest of it, but one thing is always certain with Google, at least certainly recently, their devices are good. They're built well. So I, I think I've got more hope for this than uh, I maybe did for the Samsung version. I don't um, know. I think that, you know, they've learned from other people. You know, I think they've learned definitely from competition. And a lot of the things, just like the hinge and everything else, is is definitely going to be improved over over other people. We're not going to know much about this until it's in people's hands and they start destroying it. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. You know, yeah. what kind of problems could we see here? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows? But I, I like that. I like the idea of having something in your pocket that can be a little bit more consumable. Like you think about 
think about traveling, just commuting on a daily basis, being able to flip something open and, and watch a video a little bit better. Um, the folding factor is kind of cool for things like conferencing. You know, I think about interviews that we do for TV or just even even this podcast. Someone could sit their device down and, and have a nice point of view with their phone. They don't have to worry about propping it up. Yep. Um, it doesn't need a selfie camera, so they save a lot of space there because the back camera flips up to the front and you have a viewfinder with it. So there are some really cool things there. And I think it'll grow into its own. I think that there's definitely a home for folding devices like this. And no one's got it perfect yet. But okay. if they do learn from the rest, I think they'll get they'll be pretty close. Here's a question, because we seem to be moving at such a pace here. Microsoft is steaming ahead. Google are coming up behind at the moment, and, and that's clear. Um, but then there's Apple, and they're nowhere at the moment on this. Uh, try to get Siri to do anything, and uh, you will find it just, you'll be left wanting. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> what does Apple have to show on June 5th at the WWDC event to, to kind of keep them on track or get them on track, at least. What, Do you what, want to get into that now? Because I that's just, a whole I, other... I, I, I want to ask you, just while I've got you on this, because I think this is so interesting. Just looking at what Microsoft have done, what Google have just announced, what, what does Apple need to do now? Oh, boy. What does Apple need to do now? I think they need to... Well, we know that they always do. They always showcase the next operating system, which is already ahead of what Google just did. Um, right, yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. Um, there is a, a pro market that has yet to get what they need in terms of devices that they need to showcase. So that's computers out of the way. Mm. Apple needs to demonstrate, other than what we hope to see, which is some kind of glass device, they need to demonstrate what they are going to be doing with AI and what direction they're going at and how their take is and how it differs from everybody else. And I'm not saying that they're actually going to hit the stage and say anything related to it. They may not. They may not be ready for it, which is sucky because we just we want it. But I get it because if you're not ready to do something, then don't do it. Like, I mean, honestly. All the stuff Google announced today, we have no idea when we're going to see this in the wild. Mm -hmm. And it gives yeah. them all the opportunities to not have dates and just kind of say, oh, yeah, what's well, this already? Yeah. And change it. And yeah. Yeah. Movable. So, so I think Apple definitely needs to stand out from everybody else. And it's going to be in AI if they can do it. And it's going to be in that new product line in Apple Glass. Does it matter if they don't? If they don't do the AI, AI, like if they don't, if they don't come up with anything really concrete at this stage, if they talk about maybe they're developing something, and we'll tell you more in the future, if they don't really come out with anything concrete that we can walk away with, does it really matter? Because I think about the loyalty Apple fans have, mm. and I don't know if other companies have got that loyalty. Maybe Google fans do. Maybe maybe there's a, a fan base there that I don't quite get because I'm inside the Apple world. But I, I think I. I I wonder, are, are Apple fans more forgiving on that? I think they are. However, I think with certain things, we also get impatient as Apple fans. Mm. And maybe you and I are not the best example because we're in this field. So we may get impatient a little bit earlier on than other people do. Yeah. Because not everybody pays attention to every single trend that's going on in the world. So maybe we're, maybe we're about six, to, six months to a year ahead of the patient's curve of, or behind no ahead of the patient's curve of everybody else. Mm. But I think eventually patience runs out. And when you see other people holding things and using services that are significantly more superior to what you have in your hand and it's attainable. And the only thing holding you back from it is your own, your own um, loyalties and your own kind of like, I don't want to change. You know, if I can go out today and get something that's superior to what I'm using and I can get over myself and get used to it, then I'm going to go, I can go out and do it. Then I would be asking myself the question, why do I have to do this? Why isn't Apple just doing it? Yeah. Interesting conversation. Marco Flalo joining us this week on uh, Double Tap. And I have to say, I kind of go with that, Sean. You know, I, I think if there was... More hardware options, I'd be interested in that. You know, we're kind of stuck in the Apple world with what they give us, right? That's all we get. Yep. You have I think a couple of choices, but, you know, it's like small, medium, large, and that's that, it. <laughs> I think we've all 
I know I did. I got to the stage around the iPhone 8, I think it was, where it was just, I'm so bored with it now. Mm-hmm. I, I want to try something different. And, you know, with some sexy Android hardware out there, it was quite tempting. And I did swap over and it was fine. But, you know, iPhone always drags you back in. Yeah, well, I must say I've been playing a lot with the 6A, and I do like the 6A from Pixel. I think it's a really good device. The new yes. 7A, of course, has been announced. Oh, and, well, you know, when, when you think about the price here, you know, we're talking 499 that's quite incredible compared to what the, you know, base model of iPhone is getting you. The, I, the iPhone SE is 429 Yes. And, you know, I would argue that you're getting a much better device from Google here. <gasps> Steven Scott. The camera, you know, all the face unlock. It is you know, so nice. The, the Pixel range is really nice. And I do in particular like the A because it doesn't feel like you're losing anything. As a cheaper model, um, it still feels just as quality. I, I love the A series. Well, exclusively here on oh. Double Tap Express today. Yes, Double Tap Express. I said it. Hey. Um, here on the show today. <laughs> uh, we're going to hear a hands-on walkthrough of the brand new Pixel 7a. Mark Afalalalalo uh, put together a fantastic video for his Your Tech Report channel, which you must go and subscribe to. He does some fantastic videos on there. And uh, you can go check it out. The link is in the show notes. And, of course, we've posted it across social media as well. But here's just a little snippet of that as uh, he walks through uh, being hands-on with the Pixel 7a. In front of me, I have the brand new Pixel 7a from Google. Well, let's take a look at the box itself. We've got, of course, the Pixel 7a, familiar packaging, as you would find with any Google device, with the phone right there on the front and the naming on the side. Of course, on the back, you could see over here, this is the Pixel 7a, 5G, 6.1 inch screen, 128 gigs, and inside the Google Pixel 7a in this charcoal color. Put the phone down for a second. Inside the box, you'll find the USB C to C cable right there, wrapped up nicely in a bow. They still come with a USB Type A to C adapter. Not sure why they're still including that. Inside this little box over here, you've got the SIM card removal tool. And then on the inside, we've got a couple little disclaimers, a little link here to get the full detailed user manual. So let's take the box and put it aside. Let's take a look at the phone itself. You've got a nice kind of brushed aluminum design around the actual side itself. There's the 5.8 inch screen, really thin bezel around the edges with a little hole punch in the top of the screen itself. It fits nicely in a single hand. It's not an oversized phone. On the right side, you've got your sleep wake button. You've got your volume rocker up and down. And then on the left side of the phone, or depending on what side you're actually holding it, you could see you've got your SIM card tray on that left side as well. And the camera system on the back has two cameras and a flash module and that brushed aluminum over the glossy glass back lending itself from the original Pixel. That's how it sets itself apart. And of course, when you look at the edges of the phone, you've got a nice brushed aluminum design around the edges with a little bit of roundness in the corners, but mostly a rectangular design when it comes to the look and feel of this actual phone. On the bottom, a USB Type-C. We've got our speakers and our microphone, of course. It's got that 5.8-inch screen that's super, super bright so you can see see this outdoors and sunlight of course and always on display as well on this and this phone isn't set up just yet okay you've seen the hardware but let's talk about the actual design and the price here because first off the pixel 7a is not only high performance but it's also super affordable starting at just 499 us now it's available in four colors this one's charcoal they've got sea snow and coral and that's the one that's a google store exclusive Durability-wise, Google's made the Pixel 7a one of their most durable A-series phones. It has an IP67 water and dust resistance, scratch-resistant Corning Gorilla Glass 3, and a build that uses recycled materials. Inside the device itself is Google's latest G2 Tensor processor, which provides advanced machine learning, speech recognition, and all the AI capabilities that make the Pixel 7a more fast and more efficient and more secure than previous models. On the back, we've got that dual rear camera system that is powered by the Tensor G2 advanced imaging processing. You've got Night Sight, Magic Eraser, which lets you get rid of things in the background, Real Tone to see the real tone of different 
skin tones, and long exposure features that make sure every shot is absolutely beautiful. Now, there's a super res zoom that lets you capture a whole lot more from really, really far away. So when you actually zoom in, it helps stabilize that image in a way that wasn't able to do before. Of course, powered by that new processor. Long exposure means you can get really creative with different things that are moving. Photo unblur helps you unblur photos that, I don't know, maybe you didn't take yourself. There's guided frame, which helps keep yourself in the actual frame. And of course, night sight is there and even better, faster and shorter which means you used to have to hold it up for a full three seconds. Now it's a lot faster. You could actually shorten that wait time when you're trying to get really cool photos at night. Battery life and wireless charging. Well, it's got wireless charging. It's got the adaptive battery, which means the Pixel 7a can actually last over 24 hours on a single charge. Now, in extreme battery saver mode, that could actually be extended up to 72 hours. Plus, the Pixel 7a charges wirelessly with any Pixel stand or a Qi wireless certified device. Now, one of the things we alluded to with that Tensor G2 chip is it also features the Titan M2 security chip, which means this is a top-rated Google device. You've got face unlock, fingerprint unlock, you've got Google's one VPN service to help you protect your personal information and all your online activities. So this is a very secure device. And let's not forget AI assistance. Google's AI assistance makes this phone and other Pixel devices way more helpful. A couple of new features include call assist, at a glance, voice message transcription, and even assistant voice typing. And I've got to tell you about a couple of those features right now because they are new to the 7a. Let's start with speaker names. Using the Google Recorder app, it can now actually identify different people speaking so that when you look back at that transcript afterwards, you can actually tell when there's been a change in the actual dialogue. You can then change the speaker label afterwards if you want to update the spelling and didn't get it correctly. Now, this is only available in U.S. English right now, but of course, we'll be rolling out to other languages down the road. Direct My Call is a cool new feature that lets you see pressable menu options before they're even spoken when you call eligible toll-free numbers. For example, when you call Home Depot and they say press one for this, press two for this. You can actually see those on the screen and by tapping them, it'll actually press that number for you. That's pretty cool. Clear calling is a new feature that enhances the other person on the phone call. So if you're speaking to someone who's in a concert, noisy environment, lots of wind, maybe they're in their car, you can actually enable the setting under sounds and vibration and it's going to actually clean things up for the other side of the conversation to make you hear it a lot better. There's voice message transcription, which allows you to read your audio messages, assistant voice typing to use your voice to type and even edit and send messages, and a whole lot more that will be unveiled when, of course, we get back from Google I.O. And you can watch that full video on YouTube. We've put the link in the show notes and you'll find it across social media as well. You're listening to Double Tap Express. We are reviewing the week on Double Tap. Coming up, we'll be talking all about another big story, that is Final Cut and Logic Pro coming to iPad. You'll hear our reaction to that story. And also, we'll be talking about a cool new way to make voiceover on the Mac even better. Plus, Robin Christofferson joins us to talk all about hearing apps and audiograms. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us at any time. Feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com, one 803 4567 is the number to call, and we play in your feedback through the week. Now, uh, another big story of the week, Sean, was Final Cut and Logic Pro coming to iPad. You, it's fair to say, weren't that impressed, were you? Um, no, I'm not. I'm not a great fan of the iPad, to be honest, or any tablet, indeed. Mm, okay. Well, mm, uh, let's, let's go back to our comments earlier this week. Uh, when we first had the news, and it's interesting because I, I, you know, I was talking about this with some of the guys at AMI yesterday when the news broke, and they were kind of like, "Yeah, okay, I'll be interested to hear your take on this one, Stephen." Because hang on, how is this going to be relevant to blind people, right? Fine, you know, Logic Pro, okay, music based, I get it. Final Cut is a video editor, really. But here's the thing. Hey. Here's hey. the thing. Yes, we know it's going to be mostly accessible if not entirely accessible i say mostly accessible um, because video generally is a bit difficult for blind people um but the editing but, process should be yes. accessible that's the part that's no, as long as the interface is accessible to yeah. us then we can figure out the rest right a couple of things here to note one is that uh, where it used to be before you would buy final cut pro or logic pro 
uh, outright. So on uh, a Mac, for example, Logic Pro would cost you $199. Final Cut would cost you $299 if there was no sale. Now they're moving to, wait for it, subscription model. Hurrah! Of how course. Much? Uh, what do you think? So let's, uh, we're talking each app, okay? So both apps, same <sighs> price. How much do you think they're charging per month or per year? What do you think? I feel well, like I should have a clock here for that game show. I like do, it. Do, 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 do. The trouble ah. is, these are <laughs> pro-level. I would say pro-sumer. Can I, can, hang on. Did you, did you hear how wonderful my clock was there? Oh, yeah, sorry. No, it was very good. Sorry, did I not tick, comment tock, on it? Tick, I, I, tock. Ah. I thought it was brilliant. I, I did the Jeopardy theme tune thing there. Is I mean, you didn't was? mention that. I don't, I don't know what that is. <sighs> I'm going to say get that it's, in Scotchland. it's uh, $15 a month. Ooh, $15 a month. Okay. Yeah. Well, yep, you're yep, yep. way off. Okay. This is the weird thing about Apple, right? Go on. They charge you huge amounts of money for hardware comes to software, you kind of imagine it would be the same. So they're going to charge you four ninety nine a month for this. Oh, well, that's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, well, forty nine dollars per year makes sense. Okay, makes sense on okay. iPad, and that's I'm guessing that's only this is something I'm not sure of, but it says on iPad. So guessing this is a unique version for this, and that's how they're looking at it. Maybe the the bigger version remains the same at two nine nine, but that's a buyout unless they're changing that as well. Um, but yeah, four ninety nine per month for Logic uh, Pro or Final Cut Pro, uh, or forty nine dollars per year. Uh, it says that uh, the apps will come with enhancements specifically for iPads. Final Cut Pro, for example, will come with a new jog wheel that's supposed to make the editing process easier than ever, allowing mm. you to navigate the timeline, uh, the magnetic timeline, of course, move clips and perform edits using just your finger and multi touch gestures. Um, and hopefully tons of keyboard shortcuts go along with that as well. Um, a new feature, this is kind of cool, not much use to us, I'm afraid, but uh, a new feature called Live Drawing lets you <gasps> use your Apple Pencil to draw and write directly on top of video content. Oh, gorgeous. If you have an iPad Pro with an M2 chip, you can use the Apple's uh, Pencil's hover feature to skim and preview footage without having to touch the screen. Oh, yeah, you just got to hover 10 millimetres above it. That's, that's, that's such a time saver. Wow. Does it mention the capabilities? Is this limited in any way to the desktop version? It's a bit light on detail at the moment in terms of mm. what this can actually do. Um, I mean, there, there's lots of specifics around. I mean, they're, they're kind of focusing, I guess, on the information I'm seeing a lot more on Logic Pro. Uh, which it says comes with the same touch-friendly features uh, as you will get with Final Cut, That's allowing lucky. you to take advantage of yes of uh, multi-touch <laughs> gestures. Moving on to play software instruments and interact with controls. It also has a new sound browser that uses dynamic filtering to help you discover uh, different types of sounds with options for instrument patches, audio patches, plug-in presets, samples, and loops. Additionally, Apple is introducing a time and pitch morphing plugin for Logic Pro called Beat Breaker. Uh, which lets you swipe and pinch to reshape and shuffle sounds. The app has support for the Apple Pencil as well, giving you the chance to draw detailed track automation. Uh, so mm. obviously very visual, but you know Apple do have a tendency of managing to make it accessible as well. So we'll uh, be interested to see how that plays out. And of course, this all comes, Sean, on the backdrop of, you know, voiceover itself on the Mac in particular being, you know, less than responsive at times, not being brilliant, you know, having issues. And we kind of then pin our hopes on Final Cut and Logic Pro being fully accessible. I, you know, as the week's <laughs> gone on, I, I'm not entirely, I'm not quite as hyped about this as I was at the beginning of the week. I thought this is great news at the beginning. Now I'm thinking, yeah, okay, do you know what? Let's, let's just temper it a little bit until we actually get hands on with this. Well, it all hinges on this notion that an, an iPad can be a laptop replacement, right? And, yeah. you know, how, how many years have we been trying to make that happen? And it just isn't there yet. It's getting closer and closer you know, as the years go. But, yeah, I'm not convinced by this either. I think this is going to be a cut-down version of the desktop version. And how useful that's going to be? Maybe rough chops of videos on the go? Maybe. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Well, speaking of voiceover on the Mac, uh, this week... I also tried out a 
feature which has been created, an Apple script actually, that's been created by uh, someone on AppleViz, uh, on AppleViz.com, the website. And uh, I saw this in one of the forums and I thought it'd be quite interesting to try. It's called Priority VoiceOver. That's the name of the Apple script. And I thought I'd give it a demo on the show. So we started by me opening up Spotlight on the Mac. Spotlight, 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 Search, Window, Blank, Safari, Safari, Chrome, Safari, Start Page, Window, Toolbar. And then we'll go to AppleViz.com. Maison, P-L-E-I-V, unselected. Aplevis.com, https colon, slash, slash, www.aplevis.com, https. Aplevis.com, yeah, AppleViz.com, as we might call it. Okay, let's find the article then, which is all about voiceover. So I'll just do VOI. Toolbar, AppleVis, item choose a menu. And I'll search for voiceover. How to hopefully speed up voiceover launch time and performance on Mac. No terminal required. Link. Enter on that. How to hopefully speed up voiceover launch time and performance on Mac. No terminal and required. View Link. Space. Stick to main content. Link. And here we are. So we'll go to the first heading. Breadcrumb. How to hopefully speed up voiceover launch time and performance on Mac. Now, what I'm going to do here is because I know it's a Dropbox link, I'll just use my item chooser on the Mac here to find it. So it's VOI. Item chooser menu. And then start typing Dropbox. I do not know if the setting is changed. Not that one. HTTPS colon uh-huh. slash slash www.dropbox. That's the one. Okay, so I'll enter on that. HTTPS co- And then I'll view space and that will download the file. Priority voiceover app zip. Download has started. Okay, so that's it. It has arrived. So I'm going to go to my finder. Go to the dock. Finder. Actions available. F- finder. Space. Window. List view. And then remember the command, the great command to quickly get to downloads. It is command option L. Downloads. List view. Okay, and then I'll down arrow onto the first one. There should only be one in here. Priority voiceover application, 3.3 megabytes application. So that's it arrived. Uh, the interesting thing is it's come up, although it downloaded as a zip, it's arrived as an application. So if I try and open that with the command down arrow. Open system, application, application, alert system dialog. Priority voiceover is damaged and can't be opened. You should move it to the bean. Well, I certainly won't be moving it to the bean um, or the bin, for that matter, uh, because there's nothing wrong with it. But the computer doesn't quite see it as a verified file that it can just go ahead and open. So we're going to have to do a little bit of a workaround here. And this is one uh, in the comments on this particular article I saw and I followed. So what we're going to do is we'll cancel out of that. Cancel. Finder. Downloads window. And we're going to open up Automator. This is an application I don't often go into, but uh, if I view space. Spotlight. Spotlight, spotlight, search. And search for automator. Automator. Completion selected. Finder. Automator. Open window. List view. Has keyboard focus. This will uh, bring us to an open dialog. And what I'm going to do is find the uh, application file I've just downloaded. And I'm going to open it up straight into automator. So I'll use command option L for downloads. List view. Down arrow. Priority voiceover application. 3.3 megabytes. And there it is. And I will open that just by hitting enter. Priority voiceover, application, window, priority voiceover, application, one item selected, run shell script. And that's it. So I've now opened up this script, essentially, this Apple script in Automator. And it's all there. And if I want to go and read it, I can. I don't want to. What I want to do is duplicate it. Now, there are shortcuts for this, but you can just jump up to the menu bar, uh, VOM. Menu bar, Apple. F. File. From file. File. Enter. And then down to New duplicate. Command, open ellipsis. Open, close command. Save command. Duplicate command. Shift. S. Well, Command-Shift-S, there you go. That's uh, the easy way to do it. So I'll just duplicate it. Duplicate, priority voiceover copy, application, window, priority voiceover copy, application, one uh, item selected. That's fine, but as soon as I uh, Command-W here, it will ask me to save it. So I'm going to close this window. Close, slash bean slash ZSH, shell, in save, priority voiceover copy, content selected savers. Do you want... So I want to save it, yes. So where do I want to save it? So I'll just move Vertical, to... Vertical, tags, tag, where, downloads, where. Uh, yeah, okay, that's fine. I'll just save it to download, so I'll hit enter. Priority voiceover, application, window, priority... And then I'll close all this down, so I'll just uh, command Q out of this. Finder, downloads window, list view, priority voiceover application, 3.3 megabytes. So that's me back into the finder window, if I arrow down, or up. Priority voiceover copy application, 3.3 megabytes, application. So now it still says application, uh, but it's saying copy on the end, so that's the one I can use. And you can put this anywhere, frankly. You could leave it in your documents folder. You could leave it in downloads. You can put it wherever you like. It uh, isn't really an application. It's an Apple script. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, do command down arrow, which will open up this uh, Apple script. And what it will do is it will restart voiceover. Open 
Welcome to Mac Finder, Downloads Window, List View, Priority VoiceOver Copy Application, 3.3 megabytes, Application, Today at 13, 37, Selected. Uh, okay, so VoiceOver's running again, and I'm going to close this window. SSV Joe, SSV Joe, Safari, Google Chrome. And I'm just going to move Finder. around the screen. Safari. Uh, it's really hard Clean feed camera. to know Chrome has instantly new... that it's made a huge difference to VoiceOver. Although, when I turn VoiceOver off... VoiceOver off. It's fairly swift. Now, we're turning voiceover back on can often take a few seconds. So I'm going to hit the button now. Voiceover on Chrome, clean feed yeah, camera or microphone swift. recording, Google Chrome. Used to be, it would maybe take a second or two. Um, and sometimes you wouldn't even know if it had come back on. So let's jump to the Finder. Finder. Uh, Action. F- finder. Events there, window. Down. Applic- applic- download. Movies folder. List view. Into applications. 4K video down. AMA application. Any desk application. App store app. Yeah, I mean, it's all reading fairly swiftly. Uh, jump onto Safari. Finder. Actions available. Let's jump to Safari. Here. Safari. There we are. Saf- Finder. Apple. Safari. Start page window. Okay, let's go to ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.ca.ami.
go and get your hearing aids from anyway, really, because that's the information that you need to configure them. But you can also import them into your phone. Uh, and that was what the email was about. So if you go into the health app and then it's not on the kind of dashboard, the main screen screen by default. So if you go to browse bottom right and in there, you've got all the different categories and hearing is in there and under hearing is audiogram. If you tap on that, then for me, it says add new data. There's a button at the top. Uh, I'd already got an audiogram in there because of Mimi. Uh, so yours might not say add new data or it might, I don't know, but um, there'll be a, a way of adding an audiogram there. And if you tap on that, then on the next screen, it gives you a choice of three things. The camera uh, viewfinder, you know, go straight to the camera to take one. Um, go to your photos to import one that somebody else has taken a photo of, or, or you might have earlier, or go to files and you can go and find, I would imagine, a PDF of an audiogram that you've acquired from somewhere else. So, yeah, I tapped on camera and I had a good few attempts at snapping this audiogram piece of paper, A4 sheet of paper. Um, and each time I did that, it would tell you if borders were, you know, visible, like top edge not visible. So then you'd move the camera up a little bit. And when you take the photograph, it, every single time it said um, values missing, some values missing. So there are quite a few numbers involved and... I guess it's doing clever stuff to identify where those numbers are in the little circles that they are in and these different bars and stuff like that. So I think it's doing more than just OCRing a bunch of numbers because you can see the numbers in the viewfinder. You know, it does automatic OCR. Um, so then I tried to take a photograph in you know more time uh, and put it in the photo camera roll and then imported it from there, but exactly the same thing. So in the end, I got Judith, my lovely wife, to do it, and there were still values missing. So it's not about the um, fact that I wasn't doing it properly. So I, I'm pretty confident that if you've got one that is decently printed out, you'll be all right. Mm. Um, okay. So she had to put some missing values in. So you might be faced with that. And so you might need a pair of eyes around. But it's, you know, 90% of it is a totally accessible well, it's all accessible apart from this you know missing values so yeah we had to do that no 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 honestly no 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 you no 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 actually i'll ask so okay. here's the thing um when, when you go to the optician uh and you and you do this you could i guess ask for it to be emailed to you instead of yes printed out maybe that's an yeah, option or saved as a pdf yeah saved as a pdf and emailed i should have done that shouldn't i you should have Oh, yeah. how dare you, sir. Can I, did you get confirmation that it was badly printed? Did Judith yeah. say, uh, yeah, the yeah. printout isn't actually this very isn't good? Great. Yeah. It tended to be the red numbers that were left yeah. off. Well, of course, if you use the, the Mimi uh, app, it does automatically import it into the, or export it into the health app. Yeah. You can ask it to save it to the health app. Oh. Absolutely. The one thing about the Mimi app, though, it only works with um, Apple branded headphones, you know, AirPods, wired or uh, otherwise, um, AirPods Pro Max and stuff like that. But um, what we had in that booth was a number of different headsets kind of placed on your, like at one point there was some on my ears and there was others on my temples and stuff like that. Oh, so I don't know what they were doing and whether they would offer more than you know, the the known stack of hardware involved in, you know, doing it with, with AirPods, basically. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's much better than if it was like an unknown pair of headphones that it would allow you to use. It said you must use, you know, Apple branded ones. So I'm pretty confident that, I mean, OK, at the, up, the, up, the upshot at the end of it is that the audiogram has actually improved a little bit over the older one. So... I do feel like it gave me a little bit more yes. clarity since I updated it with this one. So what you do after you've brought it into the health app. Now, what it did after I'd, um, Judith had 
updated the numbers and we'd click done, then it got back to the screen, which gives you your left ear, your right ear, lots of numbers associated with it, but they'd been updated slightly. So if you had a previous audiogram and then you do this again with another source, it kind of updates. Uh, so you, there's only ever one. You can't flick between or kind of oh, toggle between. Oh, I see. So between. you couldn't compare. No. no. No, but I'm, so I was just kind of earballing it, basically. Mm. But um, yeah. so... <clears throat> Once you've done that, then you go to settings and down to um, hearing, and then you've got audio slash visual as a heading. You've also got AirPods as a heading, but you may or may not have that depending on which you know route you went. So um, if you go to audio slash visual in there, you can customize the sort of EQ of the uh, headphones that you're wearing. And, you know, you really do want to have Apple uh, earpods or airpods really to take full advantage of this in fact i don't even know if the option comes up if you haven't i don't think so no no so um you've got custom uh which is the audiogram and then you've got three other choices which have like balanced vocal range yeah, and bright, bright as well yeah. right or something like that. yeah and uh i tapped on audiogram and it imported the new data, the updated data. So that's the steps that you need to go through. And I toggled between, well, I, I could tell as soon as I started to play stuff that that felt, um, from memory anyway, a bit, a bit brighter, a bit more full. In fact, it felt really good. So I was pleased that I did it. The other ones, the other three, um, I thought, oh, you know, let me just check those and see how they compare. And even the brightness one, because it said that my top range had gone, even that brightness one felt pale and kind of um, not as full bodied. So, yeah, I'm definitely staying on the audiogram one. It feels really good. It kind of feels like turning on and off spatial audio or stereo mm. or something like that. So it was that kind of marked difference. You could actually you can tell. really tell. Yeah. That's, Try that's really between impressive. the three um, before you add an audiogram. And, uh, and then add in the audiogram and, and sort of you've got the four to compare. And yeah, it's really, really good. I'm not saying that everyone should go via the um, audiology or the audiologist route straight away. I would definitely recommend getting an app. It actually recommends one in the um, health section. If you scroll down to the bottom, it's got suggested apps and there's one that I've never heard of before. Mm. So yeah, but Mimi, really good, really accessible uh, and free. Uh, there you go, Robin Christofferson joining us this week. And uh, that is Double Tap Express for this week. Uh, what where week has it been? Where was the uh, uh, beep beep? Oh, <sighs> come on. Even I'm fed up with it now. Ah, that makes me feel better. <laughs> Uh, listen, just a quick note about what's coming up next week on the show. Uh, we'll be catching up with Mike Buckley from Be My Eyes uh, on some big news for the new virtual volunteer uh, feature that is coming soon. Also, we're chatting to blind journalist Robert Kinjit about his project to encourage blind people into the world of writing audio description. Not just reading it, but so writing cool. it. So cool. So cool. And, of course, it's Global Accessibility Awareness Day on May 18th. We'll be reporting on big announcements as they come out and also chatting to one of the founders of Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Joe Devon joins us to talk about how the day was formed and how it will evolve in the light of new advances in technology such as AI. It's a really interesting conversation, I promise you, coming up on next week's Double Tap. That's it for us this week. Keep in touch. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. You can also call us one 803 4567 Sean and I are back on Monday. Sean, have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.